0: Just before my talk, I do want to say thank you to the worship team for leading us and bringing us into worship this morning. It was amazing, really touched. Um, But also just before my talk, I want to share of a major incident that happened in my walk of faith this past week. Just over a week ago, I uh, had gone along to a young people's group that evening and it was a creative worship time. And at the end, there was an opportunity to pray. And uh, the back story to it is that on the 29th of April, I had a cataract operation in my right eye to remove the cataract, and they replaced the original lens in the eye with a new one. And uh, I knew that something wasn't quite okay, you see. So I had to um, ring them, and I had to go back, and. Uh, they said that there's some fluid there between the lens and the outer part of the eye, and they gave me loads and loads of drops to put in for the next eight weeks, after which I was to go back. Um, but those drops were just not having any effects weeks and weeks in. And so, at that youth group that night, I did ask for prayer, uh, because the things are still really hazy and cloudy in my right eye, and nothing had changed. And literally just after a a few minutes of prayer and they'd finished, I had to look around smiling in a bit of disbelief, really, because it had gone. The haziness had just lifted. I had no idea what had happened. Um, I told people that I'd confirm it with them in the cold light of day the next day that this wasn't some trick of the the night, Um, and it hasn't, you know, it's still clear. And uh, I just give God the praise. All I know is that God answered our prayers for me that night. um, That God is a good God. He's an awesome God. Um, At the (coughs) end of this morning service, there is an opportunity, uh, whether you're on Zoom or here, to ask for prayer. And uh, um, please try and do that and avail yourself of that opportunity to To get others praying with you for something is great. Now to the talk. Today I do have the privilege of concluding our series on the Old Testament book of Ruth. And according to the Talmud, which is the Jewish tradition, the prophet Samuel probably wrote this book of Ruth. But whoever did write it was a skilled storyteller. The four chapters of Ruth have been described as the most beautiful short story ever written. The events of Ruth occurred sometime between 1160 BC and 1100 BC. And during this period, it was during the period, the latter part of the Book of Judges. These were dark days. They were days full of suffering, brought about by the Israelites abandoning their faith and their God. Immorality ruled, and famine and war ravaged. Ruth, for Ruth it was a journey. i have got a, a slide coming up really just to give you a map of the area where Bethlehem and Moab were the journey points. Moab in ancient Palestine, which is now West Jordan, And it was a journey to a new beginning for Ruth. From a foreign land to Bethlehem. A new beginning for a stranger. From kin to family. It was a new beginning from suffering and bitterness to overflowing blessedness. Everyone loves new beginnings, don't we? We, and, you know, we love them until we have to try and make them for ourselves. How hard is that? It cost Ruth everything to follow Naomi to Bethlehem. It cost her her family, it cost her her, her tribe, it cost her her country, and her God. The Old Testament book of Ruth provides us with a wonderful picture of God's redeeming grace. Our story opens with the famine in Bethlehem, the home. This goes back even further than Ruth's journey at that time, but it starts out at the home of the Israelite Elimelech. His wife, Naomi, and their two sons, Kilian, and Marlon. To avoid starvation, Elimelech moves the family east to the foreign land of Moab. And there, the two sons married Moabite, non-Israeli women, Ruth and Opa. And while in Moab, alas, Elimelech and his two sons died. And when the famine ended, Naomi decides to return home. And her daughter-in-law, Ruth, decides to join her. There's an old fable that tells the story of an old man who was traveling with a boy and a donkey. And they walked through a village. And as they walked through the village, the old man was leading the donkey, and the boy was walking behind And the villagers said to the old man that it was a fool for not riding on the donkey. So the old man climbed on the the animal's back, and when they came to the next village, the people said to the old man how cruel he was to let the child walk behind like that. You know, so he got off the donkey, and he put the child on the animal's back. And then they continued on their way, and in the third village, the people accused the child of being lazy and allowing an old man to walk behind. So they suggested both of them get on the animal. And the old man climbed on, and then they set off again. And they came to the fourth village. And the people became indignant when they saw what they saw. They thought it was cruel to make the donkey carry two people. The frustrated old man was last seen carrying the donkey on his back. If you listened to everybody, nobody would be pleased. And you would end up carrying a very heavy burden. So who should you listen to? Whose opinion matters the most to you? That was the question Ruth was faced with when she found herself far away from home in a strange land. Her husband had died, and she was now living with her mother-in-law, in this little town of Bethlehem. Everything, the laws, the traditions, the customs, were strange to her. She needed a guide to lead the way. And on the way to Bethlehem, Ruth declares her loyalty to her mother-in-law and to the God of Israel. in, in Ruth says to Naomi in the first opening chapter in 6, Verse 16 and 17, she said, Where you you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. She clearly pins her colors to the mast with Naomi. And here's where the story gets really interesting. See, in the society of that times, widows were often ignored, particularly cursed foreign widows like the Moabite Ruth. Elimelech and Naomi were from the tribe of Judah. So they would have ancestral rights to property in Bethlehem, but after her husband and sons had died, Naomi was unable to regain the properties in her, on her own. The Old Testament laws contained some provisions that allowed the poor, like Naomi and Ruth, to glean and gather a little during the harvest, which meant that they could allow themselves to uh, follow along behind the harvesters, and picked up whatever grain fell from the wagons or dropped or left behind. So we see that to obtain food for Naomi and herself, Ruth went out to gather barley, barley in the fields, and by the providence of God, she happened to begin in a field that was owned by a man called Boaz who was a relative of Elimelech. And that fact that Boaz was a close relative of Elimelech is crucially important to the whole story. Boaz, as we read, was a very kind gentleman. He was good to his workers. And he asked his workers about Ruth's identity since she had caught his eyes. And his foreman, replies in chapter 2 and verse 6 that she is the young Moabites who came back from would near me. And she has worked steadily from morning till now. Boaz then tells Ruth to continue gleaning in the field and even tells the workers to drop some more additional grain for her. Then Ruas, Ruth then tells Boaz, Verse 10 in chapter 2. Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replies, I've been told all about what you have done for, ba- what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you have left your father and your mother and your homeland and come to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord and the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth returned to the town, and Naomi learns of what happened, and how Ruth had gleaned so much barley in Boaz's field. Naomi tells Ruth how, in verse 20 of chapter 2, that man is one of our closest relatives. And he is one of our kingsmen, redeemer. Many different Bible versions use different terms and different terminologies for this word, kingsman, redeemer and even, I mean, the passages I was looking at, they'd interchange and flip between them. But sometimes you'll hear it mentioned as family redeemer, or sometimes as nearest relative redeemer, or another time as the guardian redeemer. But the redeemer is basically a guardian of family rights. As a kinsman redeemer, you could perform such duties as to redeem or buy back, a family member who may have been sold into slavery or buy back property that had been sold due to your poverty's, A kinsman-redeemer, under even special circumstances, could even avenge the murder of a family member by killing the guilty party. And finally, the kinsman-redeemer was obligated to marry the wife of his dead brother, if his brother died without any sons, in order to continue his brother's family line. Naomi doesn't waste any time and develops a plan for Ruth to approach Boaz, who'd been so kind. And we watched the whole plan play out in the third chapter of Ruth. Boaz is clearly taken with Ruth and says, everyone, this is to Ruth, he says, this is everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman, but while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. We clearly understand from the passage, though, that Boaz will not rest until this whole matter is sorted and settled. And sure enough, the very next morning, Boaz went out to town. And when he found that nearest kinsman-redeemer relative, he gathers the ten elders of the town and, as witnesses, and he tells this nearest re- uh, relative, uh, kinsman-redeemer, these words in uh, chapter 4 and verse 3. Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. The relatives, the relative offers to redeem that land. But Boaz tells him, there is a slight catch though. In verse 5 of that chapter, he says, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite woman, widow, That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Suddenly the relative didn't think this was such a great deal after all. I won, you know, he's thinking out aloud or whatever he's thinking, but he then says to Boaz, look, bite yourself. I will not marry Ruth and pollute my family line. I do wonder how rejected and wounded and hurt Ruth would have felt when that nearest kinsman redeemer spoke those words. Ruth the foreigner is not good enough for him. Prejudice can make us to treat others as inferior. God's holy spirit does not operate like that. God Holy Spirit, God does not discriminate. For the next of kin to reject Ruth as he did because he did not want to stain his honour denied Ruth her very human dignity. The loving kindness of God accepts us all. In chapter 4 and verse 9 to 10 we then read what happens. That Boaz... Then Boaz said to the elders and to all the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Marlon, and with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Marlon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in her hometown. You all are witnesses to this today. And then we read that the elders and all those who were gathered at the gate <coughs> spoke great blessings upon Boaz and Ruth. And I do imagine how amazing that would have felt for the two of them. How wonderful that would have been. So Boaz redeems the land for Naomi and marries Ruth. And Ruth and Boaz have a son, but not just any son. The Bible says in the closing chapter, we can see the, the fuller family tree, but in the closing chapter, in verse 17, They named him the son, Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So here is a formerly accursed Moabite foreigner, Ruth, becoming the great-grandmother of King David and an ancestor of Jesus the Messiah himself. All because God provided Ruth with a redeemer. The young foreigner Ruth was overwhelmed by grace as Boaz was surprised by love. First, the redeemer has to be a blood relative of the one that is to be redeemed. And just as Boaz was related to Naomi, Jesus is our blood relative in that he is related to all humankind through creation. Secondly, that redeemer must possess the necessary resources to pay the price of redemption. Just as Boaz possessed the monetary funds to buy back the land and to support Ruth, Jesus, and only Jesus, lived the perfect life of obedience required to become the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. In the first letter of Peter, in chapter 1, verse 18 to 19, we read, For I know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but it was with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Finally, the Redeemer must also possess a willingness to redeem. Even if the Redeemer was a relative who possessed the means, there could be no redemption if he was not willing to redeem. Sadly, Naomi's nearest relative had the money to redeem to redeem the land and to marry Ruth, but he was not willing. So Boaz steps in, willingly to redeem. Jesus willingly laid down his life to redeem all of us, all mankind. He says, Jesus says to us, in John's Gospel in chapter 10, just reading verse 11 and 18, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. So Jesus was the only person that, who was our relative, who possessed the means, and who was willing out of his love for each of us to be our Kingsman, Redeemer. Surely the biblical record on Boaz points us to see how Boaz is a type of Christ. Christ is the Lion of the tribe of Judah who comes out of Bethlehem to bless all humankind. And he sends his laborers out into the fields to work and he treats his own people well. He receives and welcomes Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles and foreigners, all of us. And he pays our debt and therefore gains the right to make us his bride. Here's a little light relief for you now, a question. What kind of man do you think Boaz was was before he got married. He was absolutely ruthless. Sorry, moving swiftly on. When When Boaz saw Ruth, he was in love at first sight. It was a picture of grace. Grace means that God makes the first move to come to our aid not because we deserve anything, no, but because he loves us and wants us for himself. We love, says in 1 John 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. This story, this whole story, stands as a ray of light showing the power of love between God and his faithful people. What's so wonderful is that we're given a snapshot to this whole story from one family in a small town on the threshing floor. How did this Gentile woman become one of the ancestors of Christ Jesus himself? As Boaz redeemed Ruth, so Christ redeemed the church. As Boaz the Jew married Ruth, a Moabite foreigner, so Christ marries the church, both Jew and Gentile, Jews and foreigners. As Boaz gave Ruth his riches and properties, so Jesus Christ gave us his life to the church. John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10 Jesus says. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. When we begin to reflect God's character through our interactions with other people, we bring glory to God. Watching God provide for Naomi and Ruth, two widows with little prospects for a future, we learn that God cares for the outcasts of society and compels us to do likewise. As Boaz gave Ruth his name, so Christ Jesus gives us his name, the name above all names. And as Boaz retained the name of of Elimelech so Christ made the church his whole family Ephesians chapter 1 Paul writes in verse 5 God decided in advance to adopt us or adopt us into his own family to bring by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It's amazing. People often describe the book of Ruth as a love story. But as a love story unfolds, we realize it's about more than just the love between two people. It's about God's amazing love for all humankind. Acts 17 and verse 26 says, From one man, God made every nation of men and women that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Heaven will be filled with, multitude, with a multitude of people, no one group special above any other. Revelation 5 tells us in verse 9, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's how far God's love goes in redeeming you and I. Love shows itself in acceptance of others. You know, one of the—I think—one of the, the most important characters of the Book of Ruth, only has his name mentioned twice. In fact, that character is a man by the name of Salmon, the father of Boaz. Matthew one and verse five says, "Tell us," tells us about this that um, Boaz had a mother named Rahab. Rahab the harlot, the one who was outcast by society. And yet she was allowed to become part of the great nation of Israel. Who would have wanted her? Well, Salman did, the father of Boaz. Salmon found in her a woman he could love. The love Boaz would have learned in his home growing up with his mother and father would surely have taught him to be accepting of others. So later in life, when he meets Ruth, the Moabite foreigner, he's not afraid to reach out to her in love. How far and how well will we do in accepting others? Do we shy away? because they're different from us. Love seeks true beauty, beauty of character. Boaz is attracted to Ruth, not just because she's physically beautiful, but because she's a woman of integrity. We live in a society, don't we, of airbrush beauty. The dangers are obvious, you know, of pleasing our eyes and our ears and our tastes. And creating impossible expectations. True beauty is found internally. Boaz saw the sincere heart of Ruth and loved her. Do we seek to love only those who look lovely? Do we just love those who are like us? Are we able to love the godly character of those who aren't actually in the in crowd for us? Real love is often hard, inconvenient, and costly. I believe true happiness only comes to those who care about others at some cost to themselves. The Book of Ruth, a story of two widows and a farmer in a remote village. And it's a reminder to us that the God of the entire universe of all of history and time, is also the God of all the little details of your life. God worked through the love of Ruth and Boaz to redeem a nation. They were blessed with a son, Obed, the father of Jesse, the father of King David, and ultimately of Jesus the Messiah, who came from their line. Pastor and Bible teacher Charles Swindle famously said, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. In other words, we cannot control what happens to us always. But we can control how we react and respond. Our attitude is everything. Swindle also says, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. With Ruth for a great-grandmother, and Naomi for a great-great-grandmother, you might predict that King David was destined for the greatness. And that does make a good point. But the real point of the story is that life knocked them down they had to find a way forward. Life seemed to lead them to dead ends and they had to find a new path. And I'm sure we've all faced dead ends at some point in our lives. Most of us face many as life just happens to us. The question is not whether we will get knocked down. The question is not how will we find the courage and the strength to get up and navigate our way forward again. It's God. God's grace can turn a dead end into a new beginning through God's redeeming love. As it did for Naomi, as it did for Ruth and Boaz, it can for you and I. Thank you. you.